1: to our Pride of Detroit podcast, First Bite. It's our preview podcast for the Detroit Lions' upcoming matchup against the Cleveland Browns. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-chief at Pride of Detroit and your co-host for First Bite. With me, as always, for First Bite is the senior editor of Pride of Detroit and co-host of First Bite, Ryan Matthews. How you doing, Ryan? How flattering, Jeremy. What a what a wonderful introduction that that they, was. I, oh.
0: duly, I, I do I do appreciate that. You said, doo do. Uh,
1: all the goodwill just ripped from you. How are you doing, loser? Wow. Uh, great before uh, until you said that. Now, now I'm angry now. And this listen, this is going to be a contentious podcast. we We didn't get a, a Browns guest this week, so it's just you and me. We're gonna be at each other's neck pretty much all all podcasts, i I suspect um because, uh, you know, it's teams zero eight and one. And, uh, well, you know what, I, I don't want to take the negative outlook here because there are some positives to take into this game. We're going to get some shakeups. It looks like we're going to get maybe some new things to look at, which given that this team doesn't have, you know, hasn't really had a, a different look to it in the past. I don't know, two months. Uh, maybe, maybe Sunday provides something interesting and, and let's, let's just get right into it. Right. Let's, let's start, um, as we always do with one side of the ball. We'll start with the Lions offense here because I feel like that has the most intrigue because we are now through Thursday's practice and still no Jared Goff at practice dealing with an oblique injury suffered when he threw it downfield for the first time in a couple months. And I guess hurt himself doing that because hadn't worked out those muscles in a while. Uh, and it sounds like, I mean, you listen to him talk on Wednesday, basically say like, Listen, if I can't put the same zip on the ball that I normally can, I'm not going to put myself out there and hurt the team. And so, he's not out there through two two games. The lines have said if he's healthy enough, he's going to play. So he's still the first string quarterback. But at this point, it really seems like it's Boyle time, because uh, you know basically everyone in that coaching staff has said Boyle is ahead of David Blau, even though Boyle at this moment is still on IR. Um, seems like chances are they activate him and he starts on Sunday against the Browns. So Ryan, are you excited for this? Dreading this? Just thankful that you're going to see something different? I think I probably fall into that final camp. Like
0: it's just going to be interesting to see something different because we, I think we know what we have with Jared Goff. I think it's, I think it's a fair assumption to say the, uh, the player that we've seen through the first uh, you know, nine games that the Jared Goff has started and played in this in, uh you know, in a Lions uniform has let us know who he is. And I think we have a firm understanding of who Jared Goff is now. Uh, I, we, we don't really know who Tim Boyle is outside of um, what Packers media hype, a, a wild training camp where we all saw his, his arm talent in terms of how hard he can throw the ball yep. and uh, what kind of zip he can put on it. And then in the preseason we got an opportunity to see how that thing sprays like a Tommy gun. So, (laughs) you know, I guess it's going to be interesting uh, to to see a a different kind of offense uh, on Sunday, but I'm going to ask you this question, Jeremy, how different do you think it's going to be with Tim Boyle under
1: center? That's, I mean, that's the question, right? Because if you ask Anthony Lynn, which he basically was asked today, he said, it's not going to look any different. Like, the, the game plan is not going to, they don't have to take anything out of the game plan. They And, and it sounds like they probably aren't going to add anything in the game plan. Really. I think what could potentially look different is just the willingness to push the ball downfield. Right. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's the one thing we keep complaining about Jared Goff is sometimes they, they are calling plays to, for him to push it downfield and he's just unwilling to do it. Whether it's a lack of trust in his receivers, lack of time, um, his, his own, mind that he he can escape the pass rush with the spin move and then throw it downfield, which of course hasn't worked yet. Once the season, Not Um, yet, but we're holding out hope, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe by week 18, you know, something will happen there. Uh, And so I think maybe that's the, the biggest difference that you see and whether that's a good or bad thing, I don't know. I mean, as much as people have been clamoring for a backup quarterback, these guys were not good in training camp. They were not good in the preseason. I think Tim Boyle's yards per attempt in the preseason was actually worse than Jared Goff's in the preseason. So, um, you know, it, the, the, the other factor here, and, and we'll get to the run game in a little bit, but it, it is supposed to be maybe a, another rainy day, rainy cold day in Cleveland and another outdoor stadium, which means, I mean, we, we saw what the lines did last week and part of it maybe was the injury related thing with the, they, 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 didn't want to put too much on Goff's shoulder and, and, and part of it is they love the running game and they, they don't want to take risks in the rain. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see this team try to run the ball 40 times again this week.
0: I, I, I don't think I would be shocked either, um, you know, but I, I think what's important to, to talk about is, is running back health. Right, sure. I mean, it seems like DeAndre Swift is is still going to be that guy. Yep. Um, no concerns there with his kind of limited uh, practice early in yeah. the week. Seems like that's kind of maintenance after coming off of like a career high in rushing.
1: Yeah, dealing with the shoulder injury technically, but um, basically the coaching staff and and Swift have all pretty much today. Yeah, he's, he's he'll be fine.
0: So so I I think probably the big takeaway that that we had from last week's game against the Steelers, Jeremy, was yeah, Swift was awesome through like three quarters. Yep. And then when it got to the fourth quarter and overtime, it was pretty clear that maybe he just didn't have a whole lot left in the tank. And uh, you know, it wasn't only him. I, I think that you put an awful lot of stress when you exert your offensive lineman like that for an entire game where yep. there are block, you know, when, when, when you're run blocking on, on all those plays, it's a lot more work than pass blocking. That's for sure. sure. So I, I think, um, I, I think the, the most interesting question is, do the lions think that they can get another game out of Deandre Swift like that when you're still worried about what's behind him, Jamar Jefferson doesn't look like he's going to play Jamal Williams. Question mark.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I think, I think the answer is no, they don't, they don't want to do that again. And and I, I don't put all the blame on Deandre Swift for everything that fell apart in that last game. I think no. part of it was, you know, you also lost, lost Matt Nelson. You also, yep. I mean, there's also an adjustment period, right? Like I I think the Steelers kind of figured things out a little bit in that fourth quarter. Um, But no, I I think the game plan going in was to kind of split it with Jamar. And then he goes down and they're like, well, do we want to give the ball to Godwin Igwebuke in the fourth quarter when he only has five career carries, or do we want to give it to our playmaker Swift? And they're like, and let's just go Swift.
0: You know what? So I I like that observation. And I think this was my reason why Jared Goff stayed in the game Mm -hmm. In the fourth quarter and in overtime, are you going to really put in a cold quarterback who hasn't right. been dealing with the conditions on the field of handing the ball off and snap exchanges and yeah. all that stuff? So I, I think there's credence to that, and um, both ways in the run game and in the pass game.
1: Right, but I, th- I think this week, like I, I feel like Jamal Jamal is, a, is full go. I think I think he's that's going good. to be the the one A to the one B or the one B to the one A, whatever you want. Um, and and that's going to be big for for the lines because that's I think they were missing that last week. I think they I know I know they had 200 rushing yards. I think they could have had more. Um, I they think could they have could have. 280. Yeah, they, they really could. And, and that's one of the first things that, that, uh, that, uh, running backs coach, uh, Deuce Staley said, like we left some on the board there. Um, so I, I do think, I do think there's a chance for them to succeed there. The problem is this is a pretty good Browns defense. This is a pretty good Browns defensive front. Uh, that, that has not given up a lot of rushing yards this year and I don't think it's a particularly good matchup because we really haven't seen the Lions be able to do this consistently week to week last week I mean we were saying some of the same things about the Steelers run defense right like it wasn't I I think I, I would put um the, the the run defense of the Browns above the Steelers but the fact that the, the Lions were able to do that against the Steelers is very very promising but again it like you also have to put in context too. like the lions surprised the Steelers, right. They, they pulled out the six, the six offensive line formation that that the Steelers weren't ready for. Well, cats out of the bag this week. I don't know if you can catch the Browns by surprise this week.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's out there, right. And it's, it's also important to note that that was a Dan Campbell called game. Um, And you know, there's a lot of context to go into it too. You know, we we've talked about the, um, the conditions on the field and everything like that. And, you know, you have Goff's injury. I think it was the perfect storm for that kind of a game to happen. And and then we talked about that on the podcast, but yeah, I I agree with you. You're not going to catch this Browns defense, uh, you know, by surprise if if you're planning on having a a repeat performance uh, in terms of play calling with with running the football, but uh, you, you have to think that's the direct path to the lions having a chance in this game, right. Is, is their ability to, to run the ball because their inability leads them to fail with Jared Goff. I, I I don't know if their inability will be propped up by the ability of Tim Boyle in, in his replacement. But I, I think another important, you know, thing to talk about is, you know, what the lions are going to be able to do in the passing game yeah. uh, and as far as their receivers,
1: Yeah. And that, that leads us to Josh Reynolds, right? Like I think everyone expects him to make his debut this week, uh, his lines debut this week. And we don't really know what that's going to bring to this offense. You know, he's, he's, he's a bigger receiver. Um, You know, we heard Anthony Lynn today talk about his ability to go up and and catch 50-50 balls, something that we we were used to seeing in the past couple of years with guys like Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, um, but really haven't seen that happen with the current set of receivers. I think that's, I think in a lot of ways, he's the guy that the Lions wanted in Tyrell Williams, never really got a chance to see. So I don't know, like it's it's intriguing. I don't know, you know, how much he's going to play in this game. I don't know how much rapport he's going to have with whichever quarterback the Lions throw out there, but. It can't hurt, right?
0: No, I, I don't. I, I certainly don't think it can hurt. Um, but I, I think what fans are really going to be clamoring for is more TJ Hawkinson. Sure, like you know, one after last week, one target, and I don't even know if you could really call that screen pass a target when he was still engaged in his block. Um, right. It's uh, yeah. I I think everybody wants to see some more TJ Hawkinson, and this is um. I hate to do this because we don't have a Browns host, but it'd be awesome to be like, Hey, our weekly question of can the Browns linebackers play good defense and coverage against, you know, opposing tight ends and running backs. Because I think that's still the key to this Lions offense being successful is their ability to, um, and that's going to be something, Hey, take it for what it's worth. It's a, it's a skill with Jared Goff to be able to make those short completions I'm a little I'm a little bit concerned about Tim Boyle's ability to make those same kind of touch passes when when he's a guy who we don't really even know if he can do that. So right. the Lions offense could look vastly different from what it's looked like all year long.
1: Yeah, and, and to, to go back to the the tight end coverage thing, I know that's something that, you know, that, that was a question I was wondering myself. So I did a little deep diving um especially with with tight ends in mind and it's something that the browns really struggled with early in the season they kind of rebounded nicely over the middle of the season but then you look to last week hunter henry four catches 37 yards but two touchdowns so yeah. it, it, it is something that that i think they're still kind of working through um but yeah like the screen passes that that's what really has kind of driven this offense all season um when it has been successful and it hasn't been as successful lately. I mean, I think it was kind of a disaster in Pittsburgh because they just they knew this team wasn't going to be able to test them downfield. Maybe just the presence of Josh Reynolds helps open some of that sort of stuff up. Um, but but we'll see. I, I think it's interesting to just think about. Um, last thing I want to touch on is the offensive line versus obviously a really, really good Browns defensive front um, in terms of both pass protection and um, running the ball. Because I think, like we mentioned, the, the addition of that third tackle really seemed to help the lines a lot in the running game, not, not just as a surprise, like those guys were mauling dudes, um, but Taylor Decker, we have to talk about because he popped up on the injury report on Thursday uh, dealing with an elbow injury, a new thing, no, nothing related to his finger. And if that effect, if, if he can't play, then suddenly we're talking about moving Sewell back to left tackle, maybe Matt Nelson at right tackle, because he's also dealing with an injury, but he returned to practice on Thursday in a limited fashion uh, if not that, then you're talking about Panay Sewell and Will Holden against the likes of Miles Garrett, arguably the best pass rusher in the league, and uh, and Jadavi which uh whew, that I mean I welcome to the, welcome to the starting lineup, Tim Boyle. <laughs> yeah, and also another
0: <laughs> it's like a weekly entry in Panay Sewell's rookie journal. Like welcome to the NFL rookie. It was, you know, first it was Nick Bosa and then it was, you know, TJ Watt most recently. And now it's, I mean, it's, it's nuts. Like it it shows you just how valuable it is to have both those tackles healthy. And that's why it's such a huge bummer to have Taylor Decker pop up on the injury report. You, you need him to be healthy. You need him to, you need him to be there. Um, because you talk about, you talk about this Cleveland pass rush and it, it's third in DVOA or sorry it, it's third in uh, PFF grade. Yeah. But their their pass defense grade on DVOA is near the bottom of the league. Yeah, it's so, like 28th. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think it's 26. 26 yeah. yeah, yeah. But so so their run defense very good by D, by DVOA standards, yep. um, and very good in terms of PFF grade because they're eighth. So you know they're a good r- run stopping team. They can generate a pass rush like few other teams in the league can, Yep, but they struggle in coverage and you don't, you don't feel too optimistic if it's Tim Boyle and the group of receivers that he has right now.
1: Yeah. It's, it's definitely not the ideal matchup. I think, I think if this offense is ever going to see success, this year it's 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 the exact inverse of, of the browns defense it's it's a team that can't stop the run and you know maybe they have good coverage but who cares because we don't we don't throw, throw the ball downfield right. yeah. um but yeah i mean i don't know like i, I think last week is, is promising but again since the cat's out of the bag i think the lines are gonna have to find something new to do and yeah taylor decker's um you know, availability is key for the, for Detroit here. And I don't know, like we, we don't really know what the severity of this injury is. Maybe they're just taking it easy with Decker. He was out there on the practice field today. Um, So maybe that just means like, I I think usually when it's a serious enough injury, you're not even out there, right? Like you're not. Yeah. And and wasn't he out
0: there? He, I was
1: going to say, wasn't he out there in like a hoodie and stuff yeah. Yeah. maybe just like a conditioning day, hopefully. Maybe we'll see. Um, But yeah, I do think that's key. Um, I don't know. Ryan, I know we we haven't gotten to the predictions segment yet, but like, do you think there's any hope for the Lions' offense in this matchup at all, or is it just like another day where if if the Lions hit 17 points, that's probably a win for them? I want Tim Boyle to have his Mike White moment. <laughs> I really do so well, yeah. bad, and, and I mean that's that's. I guess that's where the surprise comes in, right? The surprise. I mean, he he brings maybe a little more mobility. Maybe that's something that you you utilize a little more. Yeah, maybe and, you can go to play action and things like that. Yeah, yeah some some bootlegs, uh, things like that. They, although they try a little bit of that with Goff doesn't seem to work. So I don't yeah. know.
0: So I I, I don't just bootleg keep... right into Miles Garrett. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I I just come back to a couple of Thanksgivings ago when David Blau stepped in for Matthew sure. Stafford yeah. and on the very first drive, he has that huge connection to Kenny Galladay. Yeah. Now I'm not, I'm not saying that like we're, we're bound to repeat those, those uh, occurrences, but I, all I'm saying is that's where the intrigue is, right? Yeah. That's where, you know, it's almost one of those things too, where a problem, like almost like two problems get solved, yeah. right? Like if Tim Boyle, isn't the answer, it's like, okay, well, we, we moved on to the next thing. We've answered the question of like, Hey, Jared Goff has been bad, but like he set the bar so low, somebody has to be better. You know, if, if Tim Boyle, if Tim Boyle doesn't rise to the occasion and have a good game, all those things get put to bed.
1: Uh, Well, okay. Let's, let's play, let's play a fun scenario here. Let's say Tim Boyle does some good things. Who maybe, maybe even the lines win and he throws two touchdown passes quarterback controversy or no don't do this to me don't do this to <laughs> me
0: it's such a fair question though isn't it like i think i think it's an entirely fair question because jared goff hasn't won a game <laughs> and if tim boy and if tim boyle can go out and do it extremely shorthanded on on the wide receiver end as jared goff has been you know for the majority of the season but uh i i have a feeling that we should probably stop this segment because <laughs> jeremy's eyes got the size of like silver dollars
1: yeah um no um, pun intended <laughs> and and to the podcast audience that uh, it, it is related to the fact that we are continuing our movember uh charity stream here uh go to twitch.tv slash pride detroit and click excl- exclamation point donate in our chat if uh if you want to donate or go to pridedetroit.com and uh find the the article with uh, ryan santoso's face on it uh oddly enough but um we are raising money for rain a, a one of the biggest um nonprofits in america that helps out sexual abuse survivors um we just started raising money for them on tuesday and we are off to, I would say, a very impressive start after this stream, which uh, we'll get into during the break. But um, if you if you are interested in doing that, make sure you go to our website to see what you can win um, for, for your donations and, and other things you can uh, uh, redeem your your donations for. So um, with that, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Browns offense versus the Lions defense and make some predictions for week 11. So stick around for the first bite. We'll be right back. we are back here on first bite previewing the lions versus Browns week 11 Lions trying to continue their three week non-losing streak against the Cleveland Browns team coming off a hurting at the hands of the new England Patriots. We talked about the Lions' offense against the Browns defense. Now let's flip it and talk about the Browns offense versus the lions defense. And much like the lions, the story kind of starts with the quarterback um, Baker Mayfield dealing with a whole bunch of injuries. Knee mostly is what is, is the big one. Um, did not practice Wednesday. Limited on Thursday. You have to imagine he probably plays in this game, but he hasn't been very good. Ryan, what what are your thoughts on Baker Mayfield overall? I'm kind of, I'm kind of in like the middle here, where I'm not really sure whether he's bad. I'm not really sure if he's good, but it doesn't seem like he's elite or will get there. Is that is that kind of where you're at? I
0: see. I, I hope you're not hoping that I'm going to bring you on to either side of the fence. Cause I don't really okay. have much of an understanding when it comes to Baker Mayfield either, because I, I don't watch a lot of Browns football. Um, mm-hmm. But with that being said, it seems like if I'm just box score watching or, you know, glancing from afar, it seems like Baker Mayfield is good for like a few good games and then yeah. a stinker right. and then a few good games and a stinker. And it, it almost seems like it's routine um, in, in terms of his, his kind of up and down play, I know he had last year, he had that huge, he had that long streak of games where he was just like really, really impressive. Um, and then, you know, the playoffs hit and, uh, he just had a tough matchup, you yeah. know? So I, I think, I, I think Baker though is more good than bad. I, I think that's how I feel about Baker okay. Mayfield is that there's more good than bad. Um, I don't know, like to, to take this into kind of like, you know, a related aspect of their offense, you know, for as much as, for as much was made about the hashtag free Odell situation, right? What, what do you, what do you really see in that wide receiving core beyond Odell Beckham Jr. That goes, yeah, like these other guys should be playing behind him or why isn't getting, why isn't Odell getting the ball as much as he should be with, with, you know, the options that are available at wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I mean the passing game hasn't been what I think the Browns expected it to be because it, I think you went into the season thinking that was a pretty stacked receiving group with Jarvis Landry and and, and Donovan Peoples Jones and and David Njoku, Joku, you know, all all good receiving options. It seemed all like, along with Odell Beckham, yeah. all along with Odell Beckham, and uh, for whatever reason, it just it never seemed the, the chemistry hasn't really developed. It seems like there, um, you know, the leading receivers in Joku and and he's. Three hundred fifty-two yards, two touchdowns in ten games. It's not, it's not a ton. Thirty-five yards a game is is okay for for a tight end. It's not great. It's not bad. Um, and then Donovan Peoples Jones is, is your second leading receiver with three hundred and thirty. So, um, and and then worth noting in this matchup, they're dealing with a lot of injuries at, at that position. Peoples Jones did not practice on on Thursday after after being limited. On, uh, on Wednesday um, seems like a new injury for him, a, a groin injury that he's dealing with. He might not play in this game. And uh, you, you, you go further down in the depth chart, Anthony Schwartz also dealing with a concussion, probably not going to play in this game. So you're left with Jarvis Landry and question mark, like tight ends.
0: <clears throat> yeah. And Jarvis Landry isn't the Jarvis Landry of you know, like three years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think what has happened with Jarvis Landry is unfortunately just like football has gotten to him. You know, it, it seems like he's a guy who was really effective in making the catch and making people miss right. and get a field. Um, but I mean, on the season, 23 catches in six games for 219 yards, <clears throat> that's only nine, nine and a half yards of reception.
1: Yeah. And, and I, the, the other aspect of this matchup is, is, you know, pass rush versus pass protection The the, the Browns, have given up the second most sacks in the league. And I think part of that is, is on Baker. You know, he's a guy that, that likes to hold onto the ball a lot. He likes to, to run around and things like that. We'll see if the knee injury kind of limits him and his ability to escape. The problem here is that the lines don't seem to have much of a pass rush these days. They're, Um, they're they haven't had a sack in the past two games last week when uh, Mason Rudolph dropped back 50 times, the lines didn't get a pressure or I'm sorry, didn't get get a quarterback hit or sack. And in this game, they might be missing Trey Flowers, um, a guy who's dealing with a, a, a perpetual knee injury, hasn't practiced yet this week. And so they'll have to rely on the likes mm-hmm. of Julian Aquara, Austin Bryant, Charles Harris, who have been OK, but none of those guys are probably starter worthy. So, um, you know, Baker might have a little bit more time than he's used to back there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it, it seems like when Baker has time to make plays from from the, you know, games that I've watched of, of the Browns, it seems like when Baker is time to make plays, it's like 95% of the other quarterbacks in the league, when they have time, they can make NFL throws. Right. So, you know, you definitely view that as being a positive, but like, I I think what's most important to cover with this Browns offense is obviously their bread and butter and it's their run game. And, you know, I I think it all comes back to that. And for as much as, you know, you mentioned Jeremy, I I don't think that there is anybody that I really saw on Twitter, or um, you know, just in the national conversation, that was worried so much about the Browns' passing game because they're like their run offense is going to be incredible. So, I mean, everything that they do in the passing game is going to be gravy. And you know, not having Nick Chubb for the past couple of games has been
1: has been a problem. It's yeah, it has it definitely affected them. You know. I, I kind of broke down their their statistics from the first half of the second first half of the season versus the second half of the season. First half they had 175 carries, 938 rushing yards, Holy five smokes. five point three six a carry, and 12 touchdowns. <clears throat> You're going to win a lot of games doing that. Yeah, last five games they dropped to 603 yards, five point one a carry four touchdowns. Now those are still pretty impressive numbers, right? They're still averaging 120 yards a game in those past five games Mm -hmm. over five yards. A carry is very impressive and four touchdowns isn't too bad either, but the difference in in those two is that Chubb missed three missed two games in those last Mm -hmm. five. And we don't know what his availability is this week because he remains on the COVID-19 reserve list. As of right now, um, one of his tailbacks, uh, who was also on the list did return on Thursday. So there's a thought that maybe Chubb is on the way to returning. And he does seem like the kind of back that doesn't mm-hmm. ne- necessarily need to practice at all. He might just jump into the lineup, but um, Brian, you were, you were telling me it might not matter to you, at least if, if Chubb mm-hmm. isn't in this game, because Brown still have some, some capable options back there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we're not talking about Kareem Hunt because he's still on IR. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking about uh, Dearness Johnson. He's he's a guy who in, you know, limited playtime has been incredible. And and I guess when I say limited playtime, it's these opportunities where he all of a sudden gets flooded with a bunch of carries. It's actually the, and, you know, run, running back designations for who's the starter can just be thrown to the wind because it's whoever's on the field first. So, right. um, but uh, you know ironically or coincidentally enough the two games that he started um one game against uh denver 22 carries for 146 yards 6.6 a carry and a touchdown um and then most recently in a losing effort to to new england where they trailed for the majority of that game um he had 19 carries for 99 yards so that's 5.2 a carry and you know i I, I think when you look at the lions run defense, it's just a matter of, are they going to, sh- are they going to show up? And right. I think they did a, I think they did a pretty good job against Najee Harris. You know, I, I think they did, you know, I, I guess the expectation was so low because of the Eagles game. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's the thing. It, it's just, it, you, you don't know which run defense you're going to get to show up. I thought Michael Brockers took a big step out of the buy and, and played a pretty good game. Um, again they had to deal with some injuries so we saw a lot of a ton of Deshaun hand in that game which is kind of curious and yeah. even more curious was when I asked uh Dan Campbell what his thoughts on how Deshaun hand played like he did his his typical thing when a player doesn't play well which is he doesn't outright say that he didn't play well but he basically said he's not playing well he's like he can do a lot better is the way he phrased it um and, and so you know that's that's going to change a lot of things. We'll see last week. They didn't use a lot of nose tackles in John Pennacini and uh, Aleem McNeil. They didn't pay, they didn't play a lot. So um, maybe they, they changed things up a little bit, but you're right. Like I think they did an okay job against Najee Harris. Like he still reached over hundred yards that the, the Steelers still had more rushing yard r- yards per carry than they do in the season. And obviously running for about 130 yards or so um, is not exactly where he wanted. And, and in fact, um, it was kind of interesting to hear Aaron Glenn talk about it today because he said like, it pissed me off that Najee Harris had over hundred yards against us. That's not, that's, we're not hitting our goals. If, if a running back is doing that against us. And so um there, there's definitely room for room for improvement, but you're right. That's a, it was a huge improvement over the Eagles game. I don't think they gave up a, a rush longer than 12 yards unless you count the uh, the Mason Rudolph scramble there, but um that that's where they need to be. Right. Like, even if they're giving up 120 yards a game, they need to only give it up in chunks and, and stretch out these possessions and hope that Baker Mayfield makes a mistake. Cause that's kind of what happened last week, right? Like you stretch out these possessions for the Steelers, Mason Rudolph made a heck of a lot of mistakes in that game and, yeah. and it allowed them to hold them to 16 points. Now, <clears throat> Baker Mayfield obviously a much better quarterback, but he's also pretty mistake prone. Like he's a guy that, that has some mental mistakes. He's a guy that'll take sacks that maybe he shouldn't take. And, and he's also a guy that's beat up. You know, he's, a, he's got a torn labrum in his shoulder. He's got a busted knee. Like he's not going to be playing his best football on Sunday, even if he's playing good football. So uh, I think that's probably the, the strategy on Sunday I don't know, what, what's your confidence level in this in this defense, in this matchup? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we are talking about the number one run game in the NFL, and we've seen the Lions do well against really good run defense, run offenses in, in the Ravens. We've seen them do really bad against the Eagles, who who average 5.0 yards per carry. So they're a pretty good run offense as well. So it, is it just like a coin flip? You, it, this one tough to predict, or, or do you think the Lions are in trouble here? I, I think this one... I think it really depends too on the conditions
0: that we have for this game. Yeah. And it it is Um, supposed to be a little
1: rainy potentially.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I I don't want to say it becomes situational or it becomes dependent upon that, but I I would, I would like to have, you know, that kind of knowledge before predicting anything. But the, the one thing that I think I can definitely count on from the Lions defense is for them to show up and be physical for a second week in a row. Because I think obviously there were a lot of factors that I think that went into the Philadelphia Eagles game. I think it was more than just you know the the team didn't tackle well and, and they weren't very physical at, at the point of attack, but that was compounded by the fact that they were constantly getting thrown back out onto the field with the offense like not able to move the ball at all whatsoever. Right. So I think that there was a uh, there was a there was a, a a smell of like defeat where it was like. Why are we even out here? But then you fast forward after the buy in the Steelers game. And because it was a competitive game from wire to wire, literally, yeah. I, I think you had a defense that was motivated and they felt like, okay, like we're watching we're, we're watching those offensive linemen out there just road grading. We're watching, you know, swift, you know, rip-off runs and Iguabuque and Jamar Jefferson. And that has to be like uplifting. That has to be encouraging. That has to be, you know, um reassuring that, hey, you know what? They're at least getting us off the field, getting a rest, because I, I think that's the problem too with um, the Eagles game specifically, Jeremy, I, I think the Lions just got wore down. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was 46 carries. It was yeah. carry after carry after carry. It, it wasn't so much of that in the Steelers game. I mean, Mason Rudolph threw the ball 50 times, Yeah, which, which I think was just so wildly dumb yeah. of the Steelers to do sure. to, to be point blank. But I, I think they're, I think I think you're right in the fact that if the Lions want to have a chance in this game, they have to count on the the times that Baker Mayfield drops back to throw. He makes a mistake, or a pass rusher gets to him and, and it's a sack and it's third and not, and you know it's it's third and eight and all of a sudden it's fourth and twelve and they got to punt it. And right. I, I think those plays are going to be really important for the Lions, and, and they have to capitalize off those. And it, it sounds like a cliche, but like if, if the Lions if they, if they can't stop Baker when he's when he's throwing the ball to extend a drive on those third downs, because third down have been they've they've either worked really well in the Lions' favor, or they've you know just gotten wow. blown out. Yeah, yeah. no middle it hasn't ground. really in, no no middle ground with that. So it, I, I think that's where I, God, I think I kind of jumped the gun on the one thing I think I
1: know. Whoa,
0: <laughs> not yet, not yet, not so yet.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, I I don't know, I I don't I don't really like this particular matchup for the Lions. I mean obviously when you're talking about the number one rushing offense in the league, like there's not going to be a lot of defenses that can stop that. And the lines to me have just been too inconsistent week to week. And really their, their defensive interior just isn't playing well right now. And that's where the Browns are the strongest, like right up the middle, right up the gut. They, they struggle out on the outsides Um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, Jack Conklin, their right tackle, has has been on IR for the past couple weeks. And so he won't play in this game. So I don't, I, I need something out of either those nose tackles, maybe Levi, Nick Williams hasn't really done much in the past few weeks. Brockers, like we said, had a good game last week. I need that conti- to continue. And maybe, maybe he just needed a, a mental rest in, in the bye week and maybe he'll come back uh, out of the bye and, 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 and look strong for, for back-to-back games. But I don't know. I just, the way I look at it, man, if the lines can't stop the run in this game, I don't see how anything else falls into place. Right. Like, the play action will then start hurting them because this is a young linebacking core. That still isn't very good. Um, they've got a guy in David and who can, who can really kill them, I think on some play action plays. And while I, I don't think this is a necessarily tough matchup for, you know, the defensive backs who again are, are beat up a little bit in this game. Um, you know, play action can, can kind of be the ultimate equalizer there. And so Baker's not going to be afraid to throw it downfield and, and test these young guys. And uh, it's been kind of a mixed bag with the secondary. Sometimes they'll give up these big plays. Sometimes they'll, they'll make a play on it, but uh, I just, I don't really, I don't really like the matchup in anything. If I'm being completely honest, I don't think like last week I, I thought there was some room for optimism, even before Roethlisberger was, was ruled out. I don't see a lot of lanes to a victory this week, um, which I guess, that will lead us into the one thing we think are no We know our <laughs> prediction segment where we don't necessarily predict the score or the outcome. Just one thing we think is going to happen in this game. As always, Ryan is going to be the one to kick us off. Do you remember what you predicted last week for the Steelers? No. Do you? I, I, I said hammer the under and I nailed it. So I feel pretty good about that.
0: Nice. You know, did I think I did I end up? Just stating the bet that I wrote about on Friday about both Swift and Najee Harris having oh, combined yeah. over 174 yards from scrimmage, which they, they blew out of the water. Yeah, that was an easy just one. Just running, just running the football though, which yeah. is pretty surprising from DeAndre Swift's standpoint. But uh, the one thing I think I know. Um, just doing some quick research here, real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cleveland Browns ranked 22nd in third down conversion efficiency. Uh, the interesting thing about it, though, is in the past three games, they are the worst in the NFL Ooh. at converting just 23% of their third down plays. How much of that do you think has to do with Nick Chubb not playing there and keeping that offense on schedule? I here, Here's the thing. If Nick Chubb doesn't play, the one thing I think I know is that the Lions can keep the Browns in trouble on third down. I, 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 I have a fair vote of confidence in their ability to, to stop, you know, to stop the Browns offense on third down. I think that, I think that Detroit, they showed the ability to do that against the Steelers was some of that self-inflicted. Absolutely. But who knows what kind of Baker you're going to get, especially like you said, he's so banged up. So uh, I, I, the one thing I think I know is I think the
1: lions can keep that trend moving in, in a similar direction. Fair enough. All right. The one thing I think I know, and this is this one's going to go deep. Uh, the one thing I think I know <laughs> is that Tim Boyle is going to do something early in the game, which is going to get everyone on his side and start thinking about him playing on Thanksgiving against the Bears, and then he is going to do something terrible in the second half, where everyone will be calling for David Blau on Thanksgiving instead.
0: I I don't know how bold that is. I I was <laughs> hoping that you're going to say he's going to do something early in the drive that gets everybody on his side. And then later that drive, he will
1: do something that will have everybody turn on him, but it it very well could happen in the same drive. because like, listen, I think the lines are going to fall behind in this game. And that means Dave, that means Tim Boyle is going to have to throw the ball. And when he's like, he's going to throw at least an interception in this game. He just is. And that's the, that's the one thing like Jared Goff is kind of cleaned up. Like he hasn't turned the ball over that much except like it was at the end of the Rams game right I think that was the, that might be the last time he has a turnover is the two interceptions at the end of the Rams game one of them one of which was his fault the second one was just kind of a desperation who cares interception yeah. um so I think and and that's that's I think where you're going to see the biggest changes is he is gonna be a little bit less risk averse less risk averse yes he's gonna be less risk averse I'm oh trying to double gosh. negative myself. <laughs> He's going to be more risky. I think would probably be a better way to say that. Um, yeah. which, and, and I think he's a more inaccurate quarterback than Jared Goff is. And I know a lot of people might push back on that, but I think that's selective memory from you. Uh, he's a less accurate quarterback. He's more risky, which means more interceptions, more turnovers, and maybe the lines will try to rein him in, but he's only had two weeks of practice. I don't think you can, you can tame the beast in, in two weeks. <clears throat>
0: Quick! I need somebody to Photoshop uh, Tim Boyle's face on the risky business um, <laughs> on the ris- risky business poster. D- does it surprise you that I know a movie from like the nineteen eighties?
1: A little bit, yeah. Especially since earlier you said you know you were old enough to to get prostate tests. I I, I didn't know they they offered those to eighteen year olds, but who knows? I hate you. <laughs> And with that, we will close out first fight. Thank you for listening, everybody. Again, if you want to give to our Movember charity campaign, head to prideofdetroit.com. Look for Ryan Santoso. Click on that link, then click on the donate here button, or join us live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. We are live. Every Sunday after the game, we're live typically sometime midweek to talk to preview the game like we currently are Saturday mornings at 1030 a.m. Eastern. We're doing our Madden Sims. We'll be doing Lions, uh, obviously, versus Browns this Saturday. If you're hearing this by Saturday, come join us. We'll have a good time. We'll donate some money and we'll also take a bite out of an onion again, apparently, because that's what happened in, in between segments here. So until next time, thank you for listening. My name is Jeremy Reisman. That's Ryan Matthews. It's chaos, be because... kind. <laughs>